Welcome to the Deep Bass Podcast, where we take a hard look at the element that makes or breaks games, the music. I'm Peter Thomas, and I'm joined by my co-host, Cody Haltom. We are happy to have you along with us on our journey through Hades. What's going on, Cody? Welcome to hell. Not too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Good job. I'm doing all right, man. How are you? I'm good, man. I know. I threw that in last minute. I was like, yeah, let's just introduce it as it is. Yeah, we're, we're here to talk about Hades, which I'm actually excited about because I love super giant games a ton. Uh, I've played everything except for Pyre from them and really enjoy uh, the work that they put out. I think they do a great job with all of their games. You have not played Hades, correct? Oh, I know nothing about these guys. Not at all. Oh, um, you haven't played I anything? Know, no. I know of super giant games just because of being a nerd like i've heard that name on other podcasts sure. and so forth so i heard of them could i tell you what game they put out at any given time absolutely not oh man okay so for one you're missing out because they're great games all of them i would say and i know this is probably a hot take but I would say of the three that I've played, Transistor's probably my least favorite of the group. Not that it's bad per se, it's just it played a lot differently than Bastion and Hades did. So wasn't a huge fan of that game, but I would absolutely recommend. I'll have to look. I feel like Bastion might be on Game Pass if you have that. That would require my Xbox to work. Oh, that's right. Your Xbox yeah. took a dump. Yeah, I got struck by lightning. Yeah, that's right. Well, I was going to pick up Game Pass, you know, get it, try it out at least for a couple of months and knock a couple of things out or at least try to. But uh, yeah, that thing, it makes a sad little beeping noise whenever you hit the power button and nothing happens. Oh, that's depressing. I must say that I've been a huge PlayStation, huge Nintendo fan for a long time. And that's kind of been where I've really sat for a while. But now that I have an Xbox Series S and have gotten a feel for what Game Pass is like and everything like that, they are really killing it. I mean, just absolutely killing it. Yeah, it's really weird. A, it's weird for me being your friend for so long to see you with an Xbox. Like, that's just unnatural to me. But I I love it, you know, because last generation, I started with like an Xbox and went to PlayStation, made that transition. I think I'm going to be doing the opposite going back, kind of like what you did. But man, Xbox is just killing it with Game Pass. There's not a better value in gaming than Game Pass. I don't even know. I think it's like 20 something dollars a month if you do it like monthly. But get access to all those games and all the exclusives day one. That is an insane deal. Yeah, I mean, they're doing a great job through everything, not just with Game Pass, but the fact that their console is still backwards compatible to their very first console for the most part. Mm -hmm. They're not changing any formulas at all. The controller is still pretty much the same thing as it's been, albeit from Xbox original to 360, it it definitely shrunk in size. (laughs) But they are like, hey, this worked and we're just going to stick with this. Yeah, and gamers are seeing that. Sony is in a weird spot right now. Mm -hmm. Like, Considering some of the news that has been coming out recently, like one of our recent episodes, The Last of Us, they're considering a reboot for that. And I'm just like, wait, what now? Hmm. Why? You know, their decisions, they're not making sense. They're losing publishers. Meanwhile, 
Xbox is over here, bought Bethesda. Right. Now that we've segued off on the console wars. <laughs> Completely derailed. But I know. I know. Ourselves. 10 minutes in and we're already uh, derailing the conversation. But going back to the fact that once your Xbox is back alive, we'll have to check to see if Bastion is there and or Hades so that you can get on it because these games are great. Supergiant is known for having some really solid games with very little to pick apart as far as the gameplay goes. But what has always stood out to me has been their writing. They've gone above and beyond the call of duty, so to speak, to create an experience of storytelling that kind of goes outside of the box. And with Hades, you're getting a lot of that. So they've taken this roguelike gameplay and to add a story into that and make it so that you only get bits and parts of this as you go through each and every iteration. It makes the dying part of a roguelike far more bearable because you know that when you head back to the hall where you start the game, there's going to be people to talk to. There's going to be relationships to build up. There's going to be various conversations that you didn't get the first time you were there. So there's a lot of cool features that they've added to make this feel less apparent that it's a roguelike. You lost me at roguelike. <laughs> Here's the thing. We've been gamers for years now, since we were kids. And I'm very used to the platforms that I know. Action, adventure, shooter, RPG, that kind of thing. In the past couple of years, roguelike came out. Now, role-playing game, I get. It's RPG. It's a role-playing game. You're taking the role of a character and running. Roguelike does not make sense to me as a name for what these games are, but I do kind of vaguely understand what a roguelike is. You know, basically, I think from what I did in my research, it said that the permadeath thing or the restarting is optional, but it's more of the randomized dungeons. It, would that be accurate to your knowledge? You're talking about permadeath in Hades? In a roguelike in general. Oh, oh okay. So the way that the roguelikes are built is... There's typically two systems in play. So there's kind of like a short-term system and a long-term system. So if we're talking about Hades in particular, you go through uh, dungeons, you start at biome one, and you go through, you get power-ups, abilities to make your character more powerful as he goes through each floor. But when you die, you lose all those and you have to start from square one on that piece of it. However, as you go through, you earn a permanent type of currency. It's these little purple crystals that I don't remember the name of right now. And those give you permanent buffs that will carry on throughout every run going forward. Even though your character starts off at square one every time that you play through the game, he's a little bit stronger than he was that very first run. So there's two elements and most roguelikes have that piece to it. Everyone that I know of has some sort of temporary currency, like gold or something like that, that you use during the run itself. And then a permanent currency that's used to like upgrade your character permanently. Okay, that makes a bit more sense. So it's a grinding game, basically. Yeah, I mean, at its core, it is a grinding game. And I do feel like in the beginning, it does feel pointless. You're doing this over and over again. And sometimes you can get stuck and you can be stuck for a while as you try and figure out what you need to do. But the satisfaction of roguelikes come from when you get past those humps. Runs one through 20, maybe you only beat through the first and second biome in Hades or something. And then finally on that 21st run, 
you beat that boss and you get to see the next area. And you're just like, it's a very gratifying way of playing a video game. It's short runs that allow you to kind of pick it up and go whenever you please. But it does create a sense of satisfaction and triggers a bunch of crap in your brain that make you just feel really good when you get through them and beating them. Those accomplishments feel more rewarding to me than even getting platinum trophies in my PlayStation games or something like that. Like I'm on the fence about it because on one hand, it sounds like if I tried it, I would be addicted. But in my mind, it's just like something I want nothing to do with. I know that doesn't really make sense and that I should just give it a shot. I think I said this in an earlier episode, but I was hooked on Fortnite for way too long. And everyone judged me accordingly. I'll take it. But I didn't like necessarily the gameplay of it, the shooting or the building, even though I'm into shooters. But it was going through and completing challenges and that type of grinding, kind of like we're talking about here. So I know that that's like a dangerous kind of territory for me. And I do like games like Diablo and Gauntlet Legends and that kind of stuff. So this could be a really bad combination for me, but in a good way, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's actually a good way to put it is that in games that are battle royale games like Fortnite, same thing, right? You're essentially doing the same thing over and over. You get dropped into a map and you pick up your weapons and equipment and so on and so forth through each game every single time. It's the same way, right? But as you play, you get like a player character level up and that usually unlocks different things. Most of the time for games like that, it's cosmetic though. And it doesn't really apply to the way that you can Mm -hmm. play the game. But in some games that'll actually unlock the ability to find different weapons inside of those crates that you pick up along the way and things like that. So it's a stretch, but it's definitely a close semblance enough to link the connection for you. It's enough to explain why I shouldn't play it. <laughs> <laughs> why you should play it. <laughs> column A, column B, tomato, tomato, okay? But that's the easiest kind of like analogy to make because like yeah. I have a buddy who would play that game competitively and I mean, he would get into it and I'm just like, dude, I just need to go over there. There's like one tomato. That's all I need. We can die. I'm not a competitive person. So for me to play a competitive game, that doesn't necessarily appeal to me, but this is the opposite. So it does sound like I would enjoy it. I'm just resisting it because I don't <laughs> want to like roguelikes. Okay. I know. And it's, it's hard not to like them, honestly. I mean, I've played some bad ones, but most of the ones that I've played have been really good. The only way I can defend them and say that it is okay for you to play it because you won't get addicted to the point where you won't ever stop playing is that they all have finite endings. Every single one of them has a way to beat them and check it off your list and call it a day. So sure, you could go back at any point and probably do like, you know, a new game plus or whatever. I think uh, my Demon Souls runs, I was on like new game plus time seven or something. I had beaten through that game so many times, but um, yeah, I was pretty hooked on it. But yeah, at any point in time, you could just be done with it, you know, know that you've beaten and completed the story. And that's it. But that'll be my last defense. I'm not going to push it. I hope that more than anything, you get your Xbox back online. But if it does get back up and running and it's available for you, I hope that you do end up giving it a shot. I just need to buy a new one, honestly. I mean, it's the Xbox One, so it's not like, you know, it's the Series X or anything like that. So it's not like I lost out on a whole lot. 
thankfully, intergeneration time to upgrade was going to get a PlayStation, but now that my Xbox is dead, I don't know. Let me go into the history and then we'll talk about all of your wonderful memories with the game. Sweet. Hades is a roguelike action dungeon crawler video game developed and published by Supergiant Games. It was released for Microsoft Windows, Mac OS, and Nintendo Switch on September 17th, 2020. Players control Zagreus, the son of Hades, as he attempts to escape from the underworld to reach Mount Olympus, at times aided by gifts bestowed upon him from the other Olympians. Each run challenges the player through a random series of rooms populated with enemies and rewards. Between runs, Zagreus can explore the House of Hades before setting on a new quest. Here, the player can use items recovered from run-throughs to impact the metagame. The player can unlock and upgrade abilities for Zagreus, order construction of new underworld features that may appear in future run-throughs, or obtain or upgrade new weapons. They can also have Zagreus interact with the various characters of the underworld and improve his standing with them, which provide narrative elements to the game and may also provide quests with additional rewards. The music of Hades was composed entirely by Darren Korb, who has worked on all of the Supergiant Games releases to date. And I thought that was really crazy. I saw his name was linkable in the article that I pulled up some of this information from, and I checked him out. And yeah, he's worked on every single one of these games because he's actually really good friends with one of the co-founders of Supergiant Games. So that was pretty cool. That's interesting and explains a lot. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, but I was going through the soundtrack and on a couple of tracks. He has vocals, right? Mm-hmm. You just told me all that. And I was like, oh, no wonder he's friends. That's the only way he got the job because he can't sing for shit. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I said the same thing. You know, I he's a great musician. I think that my feelings on the entire soundtrack was that this was a really good soundtrack, especially for what it's paired with. But man, when he starts singing on there, I'm like, dude, you should have just let it go, bro. It's like you had your chance. I understand that you're friends with the boss and everything and they're giving you free reign. But my God, just no, just no. The other thing about this, and I'm going to separate off a little bit, if you don't mind, because I did a little bit of research because I was reading our show notes for this earlier today. And I wanted to come in with a bit more information because I know so much about this game going in and I didn't mind correcting anything. So I wanted to talk to you about it because I thought it was interesting. So there was a mini documentary, kind of like Grounded, but it's only four minutes long on the making of two of the songs on the soundtrack. They went to Abbey Road Studios for two days in January of last year. So 2020. Okay. And there was something interesting that caught my ear that he was saying is they were working on the soundtrack, but the studio was releasing a patch for the game that day. So I was like, wait, that's before the game came out. Why did they release a patch? So I did some digging. Turns out Hades was released in an early access date on the Epic Games Store on December 6th, 2018, after being announced on the Game Awards. After a year of exclusivity, Hades was released still in early access on Steam in December 10th, 2019. 
version 1.0 was released for Microsoft Windows, Mac OS, and the Nintendo Switch on September 17th, the date that we have listed in the doc, 2020. The game is now currently available wherever the hell you want to get it. But I thought that was really interesting that it's actually been out that long. I saw that same bit about there being an early access. I've never seen anything like that. It makes me wonder. So some of the research that I had seen was talking about the game that they did before this. It was called Pyre and they were basically trying something new. They wanted to explore this new way of telling a narrative, which like I said, Supergiant has always been very good with telling a great story and doing so in a weird way. In Bastion, there was a narrator that spoke over top of the game. It was almost like he was reading a book as you were playing the game and telling the events of what was happening in the game as you were playing it. So there were moments where like you would be playing and this guy is talking and telling you the story of how the hero is doing X, Y, and Z. And then like I rolled off a a cliff or something like that. And, And the narrator is like, and the hero died. And then you respawn back on the platform or whatever. And he's like, nah, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It drew me in so hard with the way that they approached that because it never been done before, at least not that I had ever seen. So I guess in this game Pyre, they were trying to reshape that narrative again, but they had found out in that game that most people were a lot of the story content happened after the game and most people were just quitting after they had beaten it. So Nobody was getting like the second half of the what they were trying to tell. Instead, they were retooling that for what ended up being Hades, making it so that you would get these bits of story over a long period of time of playing this game. And a roguelike was perfect for that because I would be hard pressed to see anybody beat Hades on their very first run, period. It's probably not possible. Man, that is a really interesting way to tell a story. I'm intrigued by that now because I would just run around and try and break it just to see what all narrative things I could get. That's interesting. That has more of an appeal to me than Hades does. Like I love the art style Mm -hmm. in Hades, but from a story standpoint, which you know me, I love a good story. I think that would be more up my alley than what this game is. Nothing against this game. I mean, I haven't played it at all, but that piques my interest more than what I've seen of this, just from you telling me how the story's told. I think Bastion would be a good starting place for you so you can get a feel for it. But I assure you, I mean, if you can get past the whole roguelike features of Hades, you'll find that there's an even better story. The way that it's told, the little quips that Zagreus makes along the way, When he runs into Olympians for the first time versus the third or fourth time, all of it's different. There's so much writing in Hades. It is unbelievable. And I'm not even finished with the game yet. There's even uh, something I found out along the way, which it was kind of a light spoiler for me, but in a way that it didn't really matter. But apparently there's even romance options in this game. And I had no idea. That I knew. Apparently, here's how that evolved. And Again, known for our accuracy, so all this you can take (laughs) to the bank. What happened was they showed the Game Awards trailer and they showed Zagreus and a couple of the other characters. Because of the art style, people just got way too horny for these characters and started like 
writing fan fiction and wanting these romance options. So because it was still an early beta, they were able to put that in the game so that those people would be happy. But yeah, basically, long story short, they made hot characters and people wanted them to interact in a romantic way. So there you go. Well, I shouldn't be surprised, but somehow I am. (laughs) (laughs) I should I should know better that a game that has an art style like this with very attractive characters and togas is going to warrant at least a fan fiction or two. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And apparently there were a lot. I never looked it up. Sorry to tell you. Um, but I don't know how I know that. That's just one of those random facts that I don't know how I know it might've been on a podcast or something like that or some one live show I saw, but yeah, I'm 99% sure that that's accurate. That's wild. The only other note that I had gotten that was something that was interesting and probably means a little more to myself and people who have played than it does you, but I'm going to mention it anyways, just because it is something that was noteworthy was that before Zagreus was the player character, they were actually going to go with somebody who ends up being the third boss of the game. His name is Theseus. He's like the polar opposite of Zagreus. So where Zagreus is kind of like a thin guy, pale skin, really dark hair. And his most notable feature is like his one demonic eye. And not to say that he's not attractive because he is. He's just a very different kind of attractive. Theseus, on the other hand, is this big, buff, tan, blonde, suave looking dude. And apparently the players, when they were, I guess, beta testing this or what have you, they didn't gravitate and feel any kind of connection towards him. They were like, oh, it's just another standard character for a standard game kind of thing. So they wanted somebody that was a little more, I don't know, relatable, I guess. I'm not really sure what the ultimate decision was and why they chose to make Zagreus when they did. But I thought that was a, that was an interesting bit. I think that bit, Grant, I have no idea who you're talking about, but let's think about this game for what it is, right? If you just brought that information to me and described these two characters, my first thought would be, if this guy's jacked and buff, why am I dying so much? I would want the character to be thinner, more frail, you know, not weak by any means, but for the struggle to kind of feel a bit more earned, maybe, instead of I should be able to go and master chief this thing and just run through everybody. Does that make sense? It does. I think the piece of it for me that puts it more into perspective is that it doesn't matter what you look like as far as being thin or being buff. You're fighting through the underworld. <laughs> there are demons, yeah, that checks out. you know, and everything like that. So this is Hades who's created these different biomes with all of these different creatures and things like that. So to me, it wouldn't have mattered. But I do think that if they were sticking with the same voice that Zagreus has now, I think that it fits Zagreus a lot more than it fits Theseus. And if you ever get a chance, I would encourage you to to take a peek at him because he does look very Herculean, if that's even a word. (laughs) What's his name? Theseus. Oh, he's a god. Got it. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Blonde hair, tan, blue toga. Yeah, that would have made sense. So yeah, it was interesting. I thought the development of this whole game, it kind of stands out. It's very different than what we would normally. I mean, when have you ever seen like a Halo or something like that go into an alpha so that people can play it two years before it actually launches? Like that never happens. 
No, it's super, super, super rare. And only something that's done with smaller titles like this. Well, I say a smaller title. I mean, it got nominated for Game of the Year. It got a lot of nominations. This game was like revered as one of the best games of all time. Right. But it started small. I saw that at the Game Awards. I was like, that's a game I'm never going to play. Like, it looks interesting, but it's not for me. And then to hear about it, we're here 2021 talking about it because a it was demanded but it was demanded for a good reason people connect to this game when they play it i never played it i have no idea what i'm talking about here but i know it has a following like no other you don't get nominated for multiple game of the year awards lightly which is why you should play it shut up i know i know well we know that you haven't played it just to touch a little bit on your notes there. You said you think you've, you've seen me play it once on stream, which is funny because I think I've only streamed it once, honestly. I don't stream nearly as much as I used to. But for myself, this was a, a day one purchase for me. I knew Supergiant Games well. I've enjoyed all of their games. Even I say Transistor is lowest on my list. But that's saying that if Hades was a 10, Bastion was a 9, Transistor's an 8. So they're all great games. If I had to rank them, Transistor would be the lowest of the three. I picked this up because I'm apparently a glutton for punishment and love having games on my backlog because I struggle with roguelikes. I really do. I do pick up and understand the mechanics a little bit as I go on, but it's not easy for me. I wasn't disappointed when I played this game. It was exactly what I was expecting and so much more. I was saying this earlier, but most roguelikes don't really have any semblance of a story. But Hades is super well written, which is what I've come to expect from a Supergiant Games game. And I love the premise behind the game. Zagreus being the son of Hades and feeling like he doesn't belong in this world and he wants to see what life is like out on Mount Olympus with all of his other family and friends. And everybody knows him. Anytime you pick up one of the gods' powers, they come down and they talk with him. And there's a very fond relationship there with him and they feel badly for him. I mean, even this woman who has taken the role of his like mother. She understands him wanting to go and explore a little bit. It's almost like a coming of age story. And I really enjoy it. It also is coupled with the fact that I really enjoy Greek mythology of any kind. Like you tell me a story. I mean, one of my favorite Disney movies is Hercules. I just really enjoy that setting in general. So I really was a fan of this from the moment I put my hands on it. I haven't beaten it though. I'm on as far as the third biome at this point, but I am stuck on a boss and I don't know how to beat it, but I'm trying really hard. <laughs> how many biomes are there? I believe there's four. Oh, so you're close. Yeah. Yeah. If you were able to run through this in one go, it's not a long game. Each biome consists of like maybe four or five rooms total. The fifth room being the boss. So you go through each of the little areas, beat the boss, move to the next biome. I think if you were able to get through this from beginning to end, one room at a time, then you could probably get through it in like two and a half hours. Okay. But yeah, that's not the way the game was designed. So oh no, it's probably not even possible to do that. I would be hard pressed. I would have to look up and see if anybody has done it. I'm sure maybe somebody out there was crazy enough to do it, but they would honestly deserve an award because 
the game is definitely not meant for that. I mean, I'm, I think the last time I checked, I was like 30 runs done into this game and I'm up to the third biome. So I think the expectation is in most places that I was seeing, they were beating the game somewhere between the 25th and 35th run. Somewhere in that neighborhood is like the sweet spot. Oh, okay. That checks out. Yeah. I mean, the game's designed to be played over and over again, you know, and like, I don't like it when people do that and like try and break the game. I don't know why it's like, it's supposed to be experienced a certain way. Do it that way. After that, play it however you want, but play it the right way first. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) So fun little note about that. And then we'll go ahead and start talking about our music here. But so I have not beaten the game, but somebody in our discord has, and she's spoken about it quite a bit. And I guess once you've beaten the game, talking about like breaking the game and so forth, they actually Mm. unlock a bunch of different modes. And one of those is like a God mode, which I'm assuming is like you either don't die or it's very hard to kill you or something like that. And it just allows you to continually run through the game over and over again. And I thought that was a really neat feature for the folks who are wanting just to get more of the story and hear more of what other people have to say. I mean, every single one of the characters are super charming. There's not a single person in that game where I, I listen to them, even the villains, I listen to them and I'm just like, eh, I don't want to hear you talk anymore. Every single one of them has something valuable to say. It's always worth listening to. I've been through over 20 runs at this point, maybe close to 30 since the last time I played. And I haven't seen a single bit of dialogue repeated. Do you know what? I really can't talk crap and it just dawned on me because let's look at Celeste. What did I do? I'd put it on easy mode and just so I could run through to get the story. I did the same thing with The Last of Us Part 2. So I can't judge. As long as I get the story, that's what drives me in a game is a good story. Character development, dialogue, you name it. Just anything that comes with a good story. As long as it has that and some decent, halfway decent gameplay mechanics, I'm going to be all over it. Well, this is right up your alley, man. They have an amazing story, and the gameplay is solid. Sweet. I'll never play it. (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) We're going to go ahead and kick off our music list here. So something I want to note about this soundtrack before we even get into our songs is that listening to the soundtrack, it was about 30 songs, if I'm not mistaken, each of them were very, very similar. There was definitely a theme that Darren kind of went with on this. He was keeping with a very similar theme. So a lot of these, they, especially the the faster paced songs meant for the stages and things like that, they all have a very similar sound, but they have enough uniqueness to them that it was still challenging for me to actually narrow down what my list was. I mean, Cody, you saw the tentative list as I was going through it and I had what, like eight, nine songs down there trying to pare them down. Yeah, you did. So you're going to hear a lot of, of similarities, at least from my side of things. Cody, you kind of took the opposite approach. You went with some songs that were quite different than what I went with for the most part. And I'm excited to talk about them because I think they hit two very different elements. There's a lot to love about the soundtrack. 
And I'm really looking forward to really digging into these with you. Boy. <laughs> Boy. I have so many thoughts. You know, last episode, you were saying how you have trouble picking five. Yes. That was me this episode is I didn't have five. I had three and that was it. And that's my top three. And then we have to have five. So I just ended up picking two more that were okay. My main problem with what he's done here, and I said this in Celeste as well, but a lot of these tracks, A, are similar, but that's not what I said about Celeste. But they're so long that they should be two tracks. And I'm going to stand by it this time because I don't know the game, but I want to be able to carry my own in this conversation. The way a lot of these tracks that are longer are kind of orchestrated is you have the start of it, which is the level itself, basically. And then the second half is the boss. So it's two distinct tracks that is just in one. They should have separated them. They should have separated every single one of them. The soundtrack would have been the same length in terms of time-wise, just add another track to it. It wouldn't have been that hard because there was so many of these tracks that don't pick up until the latter half. And it's so annoying to me, (laughs) even though there's a couple of them on my list for what it's worth. It's just such a grind to get to the good stuff for me, which is really interesting because that's like your entire list. Yeah, I mean, I definitely I went that route because for the most part, and I'll, I'll talk about this as well, the battle tracks and the exploration tracks were, to me, what make up the majority of where you spend your time in Hades. So I really enjoyed oh. that piece of it. I mean, some of the ones you have are more like the story based tracks or like maybe an intermission track or something like that. So It's not that they're bad. It's just that you hear so little of them. It's hard to really love them the way that I love the tracks that I had chosen. I didn't really care as much in Celeste because I understood why they kept the length of the track so long. Mm -hmm. Most of the time you spent a long period of time in a specific area. So it warranted having nine, 10, 11 minute tracks, you know, up to what, 15 minutes, I think. I agree. And in this game, that wasn't as necessary. There is a distinct difference between the idle parts of the track and when you are listening to the the heavier parts that come with the battle segments. I would agree that I think the pieces should have been separated. More specifically, and I say specifically to my list, I enjoyed the battle want part of it more to the point where when I put these tracks in, those are most likely what you're going to hear. I'm going to start these at the three and a half minute mark or four minute mark. You cheating ass. <laughs> I know. Hey, man, I got to get my message across of why I enjoy these songs. No, I understand. But another thing, like you bring up a really good point because you're coming from this from the perspective of someone who's actually played it where I'm not. So naturally, our lists are going to be drastically different. But one thing I will say and or I'll agree with because you said it. So many of these tracks sound almost identical. You could copy and paste one for the other and I wouldn't know it. Now, if I had played the game and died in certain areas over and over and over again, certain biomes, yeah, I'd probably pick up on which one was which. Out of context, though, man, it's hard for me to keep these apart. It's like a night and day difference, too. And I'm sorry, I know we're kind of prolonging the list here, but 
I think to the episode where we did The Last of Us, they were using the same instruments and were somehow, even in some ways, you know, using the same track, just kind of remixing it in different ways. And somehow were able to get these very different elements with their music. Like each track still had a very distinct nature to them. Whereas these ones, if there weren't track separations, if they were blended together, had like a five second fade out, fade in kind of thing, I wouldn't have Mm -hmm. been able to separate them that well because they are very similar. Same thing being used here where it's mostly the same instruments, but the diversity behind them doesn't really pick up until you start getting to those heavier tracks. Yes, I completely agree. So our number fives are already picked somewhere later in the list. So we're going to start with your number four. And why don't you tell us what that is? Sure. And keep in mind, people, I said I had a top three and then I just had two others. So I know this is not a good track, but I had something to say about it. It is In the Blood. If you would have told me this was performed by an Evanescence cover band, I would have believed you because that's what it sounds like. For those wondering, that is a compliment because I didn't hate that band growing up that much. The violin is what drives this track and I love it. I feel like the brass in this track is really underrated. There isn't much of it, but when it comes in, it changes the tone of the track completely. Lyrically, this track isn't that great. The lyrics are 40 lines long, and it's in the blood, makes up 18 of those lines. The one section of lyrics that I really liked was, quote, home is not where you live, but who cares when you're gone? And I think that's just a really beautiful quote. There aren't many tracks I like from the soundtrack, like I noted, but this is one I'd listen to again, even though it's far from great. underhanded comment about this sounding like Evanescence was I didn't hate them growing up. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. I didn't like them, but I mean, if they came on the radio, I wouldn't change the channel. Yeah. You know, we have like two radio stations here, so options are slim. Yeah. So for in the blood, most of the vocal tracks, I actually really wasn't a huge fan of, but I do think that Ashley Barrett did quite well with this song and added a good bit to it. 
I assume that the dude that was singing was Darren himself, which I know we talked about that before, but I wasn't sure when I was writing this up. And now that I know that you feel the same way, I'm pretty sure it's him. I really could have done without that. I feel like he took away from what could have been a really beautiful track. I noted this somewhere in my notes later about one of the other tracks, but I state that this game soundtrack sounds like it could be a full-fledged album complete with lyrics and sold right alongside of albums like Metallica, Iron Maiden, and Black Sabbath. This is a beautiful ballad, and you're right, lyrically, not that deep. But I think it does have meaning given the premise of the game. Since you are playing as Zagreus, who is trying to escape hell, where he was born of Hades, so Hades is his father, and doesn't feel like he belongs. So along the way, you have all these other Olympians who are coming down and greeting him warmly. And I feel like that question of where home is to him, it's a very interesting thought because I feel like he is torn about it. He's got some fondness of where he's lived, you know, his entire afterlife or what have you. But he also is curious about what else is out there. And, you know, he's got family on both sides at this point and wants to know what is he missing? Yeah, knowing more, like I knew that this could be potentially a deeper track than what I gave it just because I did know, you know, about Hades being his dad. So I assumed that this was almost like a story driven song, a character driven song. Baseline, just knowing that Hades is his dad, this track means nothing. I didn't know if there was something deeper in the story, but I can understand why this track exists. It's family. It's something that you can't escape from. It's part of you, you know, no matter how hard you try. And like I said, I don't know the deeper story beats in this game or what ends up happening, but I can see why this track exists. It was just one that I put it on. And while I love my top three, I didn't hate this one. (laughs) Another underhanded compliment. Yep, that's what you're going to get with the soundtrack. Hey, do you know what? It's better than it was because I almost texted you the other day. I was like, I hate this because that was my initial thought. But I've learned to actually surprisingly really, really love a couple of these. All right, Peter, what is your number four? My number four is Scourge of the Furies. I actually struggled with my number four and number five. That was probably the ones I was bopping through. One through three, like you, I was pretty solid on, but I couldn't really decide what was going to go into my number four and five. I wish I had a bit more familiarity with this game to be able to place some of these tracks, including this one, but unfortunately I cannot, so I won't attempt to try. For the slower version of this, we've got a bit more tempo added in, and it's pretty catchy in the beginning. We have these shakers tambourine and i think so i originally thought this was a sitar but was doing some research on instruments that would have been used more for like a greek setting game and the mandala came up and the mandolin and a few others so i went to youtube and listened to them because i've never listened to a mandolin or a mandala and i wanted to hear what they sounded like and it sounds a lot more fitting for it so From now on, I'm going to say Mandala. If I'm wrong, I apologize, but that's what it sounded like to me. The Shakers, the Tambourine, and the Mandala just really stealing the show with almost notes of a Middle Eastern vibe. And I wanted to keep a mental note to myself that I want to go look up and see if 
they just took creative liberties in making it sound more Middle Eastern, or if there are some musical influences in Greek culture that have like a Middle Eastern tone to them, because I'm really curious about that. Aside from that instrument that's wailing in the background, this is overall a pretty low tone song. And then in one strong note, the song shifts and replaces the mandala with a metal guitar. And it's a full on breakdown with the drums present. I apologize. I know I'm going to be quite repetitive with these, but it's less about what I have to say on this soundtrack and more about what you're going to hear. I'm so glad you put that because I have so little notes for your tracks because they are so, so similar. And I even have a note similar to that where I'm like, the song just kind of talks for itself. So don't feel bad. I like when the song picks up your entire list. The second half is so much better than the first. I wonder if the first didn't exist, if we'd appreciate the second as much because I mean, they are very similar. I would like to think that we would, but I wonder what the difference would be if it wasn't there. I had to laugh a bit when you said you were trying to figure out what instrument was being used because we're to the point in the show where I do the same thing. (laughs) There is an instrument on my list that I'll talk about later that I could have swore was something Middle Eastern. Up and down. Nope, it's a clarinet. Didn't know. But that's just kind of where we are. I don't think there is any influence between the two. I could be really dumb and wrong, but that'd be fascinating. So uh, between the two cultures, that is um, because you're right. This entire soundtrack does sound more Middle Eastern than it does when I think of Greece. When I think of Greece, I think of games like God of War, that type of tone to them, not even like in a more violent way, but just in the instruments used and the sound that they have. Not this. This was completely out of left field. The one thing I will say that drives me crazy about this entire soundtrack is I can't stand all the synth that's in it. And I know some people like that, but to me, it's just used way too much in the soundtrack. Yeah, I think that synth you're talking about is that wailing that I had mentioned, right? 
Okay. Yeah. 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 It is riddled throughout a lot of these tracks and I understand why they used it since some of the stuff that you fight is kind of ghouly in nature and, you know, demonic. So they were probably aiming for that piece of it. They were trying to hit on the whole like spooky horror, but without being overwhelming. But I did find it to be a little distracting. There were some of these tracks that were really just like blaring and amazing. And then all of a sudden this wailing comes on and I'm like, now oh, why'd you do that? <laughs> so yeah. I think that it could have been used fine a couple of times, specifically in the slower parts of these tracks. But whenever they're pulled out for the other ones, I would have rather have heard, you know, how sometimes rock bands will tune their guitar with the like amplifier and go really high on the strings and make kind of a similar wailing noise. I think that that would have done more justice than doing a fully synth. This sounds like that same tone that you get if you've ever seen when somebody like sets their guitar down on their lap and they have like that metal tube that they can ride across the strings. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. I'm sorry. I don't know the technical term. I'm not a guitar guy at all. So I don't know what that thing is called, but that's what it sounds like he's doing here. And it just kind of doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. It's really distracting with a lot of these it's rock and metal. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, what the hell? You're right. I get where it makes sense in the game, which I do have to keep like reminding myself of. But as a standalone track, it just takes away from it. It might set the tone in game, but there's so many other things that they could have used instead of that and probably got a similar effect that was less jarring to the listener. I agree. All right, Cody, what is your number three? All right, now we're getting into the good stuff. My number three is Out of Tartarus. This is a rare gem on this soundtrack. It's a simple, funky track with some big Borderlands vibes to it. The bass in this track is great when it finally comes in. As the track goes on, it just keeps adding more really subtle layers that help this track build and grow. I think the unplugged electric guitar is really unique, but I think we hear it again on this soundtrack later. I'm really not sure. I can't really remember. The second part of this track is an absolute banger. All they did was plug in the electric guitar, throw a trap set, and boom, it becomes a classic rock and roll track. While it's simple on paper, this is a track you just need to hear to understand how good it is.
I'm dying over here because whenever I had put this on my list, which it did end up on my list as number five, the first thing I thought when I heard this song was that it sounded like Cage the Elephant because that was exactly where I went with it too. Sweet. Because this is a little out of order, my notes are probably a little funky here, but I was originally going to apologize first and foremost out of this to you, Cody, for making you listen to five of the longest tracks that are on here, but for good reason. (laughs) Do you know what? It's not even that they're the long ones. It's the fact that only half of them, or is it the fact that all of them are only half good? That's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The tracks all on here, I'm pretty sure all from gameplay moments. So that's why they're split into the softer side when kind of exploring and doing like your regular battles and things like that. And then one heavier for like events or bosses or things like that. At least I'm pretty sure that's what's going on. When we talk about the softer side of Out of Tartarus, we have this pretty standard melody that's a bit faster than a ballad, but a little slower than like a full on metal song, maybe more like a rock song, except for the mandala and again, the eerie whistling wailing that's in the background. I thought the shakers added a really nice touch here, but when the heavier track comes in, it comes in with such a rush and takes this very peaceful song and slams an electric guitar right in your face. So before I had mentioned that this entire soundtrack sounded like it could have been a real album. It just didn't have lyrics on it, right? It's not chiptune. It's not orchestrated, which in chiptune and orchestrated tracks, you would never expect to hear lyrics. But this track is like a full on in your face soundtrack that wants you to rock. It wants to be something that you listen to. And again, I could definitely see this exact same soundtrack with lyrics across the board, much like what you said, Cody, it being almost like an evanescence type of thing. Like if Ashley was on every one of these tracks, I think that it would have been just as okay. Okay. If not better, I had a really, really weird thought while you were talking. I guarantee this. I guarantee it. If rock band was still a thing to this day, this would be DLC for it. Like that's how good of a, or at least part of this album are. I mean, it's just funky rock. That's all it is. You know, we're nitpicking because there is a bit too much of that weird wailing noise, but you're right. There's just a distinct amount of auxiliary percussion in this soundtrack. That's really, really unique. Yeah. This could have done well physically. It's very interesting to say, but the soundtrack is unique for the game that it is on but the individual tracks themselves are not. And I know that's a very odd thing to say, but it's true. Yeah, it's redundant. It's like, how does that make sense? And people go spend about two and a half to three hours and listen to 30 tracks. You'll find out what we mean because the tracks themselves are not great. Not all of them are, but the soundtrack as a whole is. Don't ask us to explain ourselves. We will not be doing so. (laughs) So just go listen somewhere. You mean listen right here? because we'll be playing them. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we're only playing a couple. There's so much more that they have to that is listen true. to. But we are giving them, between your list and mine, a really good idea of what all is on this soundtrack. All right, man, what is your number three? Like you said, we are starting to get into some of the good ones, at least in my opinion. My number three is The Painful Way. When this song started out, I immediately thought that this could have been on a game dealing with stealth. It has a very low bass line and is predominantly accompanied with a shaker for about the first 30 seconds. 
Once the mandala comes in, it's easier to see how this fits more with what you're expecting out of Hades as you play, with the tones being pretty similar across the board. Even though this isn't my number one, I enjoyed the rhythm to this one the most, I think. As I was putting my list together, I kept gravitating back to this song, and I couldn't tell you why. Then the song cools out, gets real mellow, and that's when it hits you. There's 12 or so strums of increasing intensity in the guitar and then out with the mandala as you're greeted with an even better rendition of this song. I really love the way these all play together like this. It's the same song, but somehow made so different with just some small swaps of the instrument. is kind of proof that I'm a whore for an electric guitar as well as drums because you throw that in there and it just changes it. You're right. It is the same track, but it changes so much. We shouldn't have our minds blown by that, but that's what's happening. You know, it's something so simple. You know, we saw it in Out of Tartarus, you know, just plugging in the electric guitar has such a profound impact on the track. One thing, and I'm really glad you brought it up because I wouldn't have heard it unless you mentioned it, was that the start of this track, the part that, you know, we don't like as much, it is super stealthy. And I don't know what it is. It's like, it's just the light notes, though. It's that gap between the light notes and the softer ones that just the way they're being played makes you feel like you're like sneaking around, trying not to get caught in, you know, a Metal Gear or a stealth-like game. When I first heard that, never picked up on it, never picked up on it. But once you said it, I was like, let me go back and listen. Oh, holy shit. He's actually right. So that's a really good pull, man. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Cody, what is your number two? On the coast. Now, I'm going to tell you my notes for this, but I think it's on brand as anything, because after I did my notes, I was doing a little bit more research on this. And last episode, we said that it wouldn't be a Cody list if there wasn't an ending track. Totally didn't know it, but this is an ending track right here. So nice on brand as ever, just unintentionally on brand. (laughs) You know, those music tracks that play in cartoons when the sun is coming up. This is the Hades version of that. This track starts low with some ambient noise for a few moments. Then a clarinet comes in 
to be the instrument that's going to take us through this track. The auxiliary percussion comes in, adding a bit of timpani, and the wind chime brings a special lightness to the track. Halfway through, the clarinet sounds almost like a flutter, making me picture birds flying. This is just so different from the rest of the soundtrack. It's an honest-to-God beautiful song. I didn't put any of these types of tracks on here, but the time that I was close was with this one. And if I had to pull one of my songs off of my list, this probably would have been the one that replaced it. The clarinet gives such a nice, wholesome and earthy tone along with those drums, but it starts out sounding something like from Arabian Nights or Aladdin or something like that, which is funny because I think you mentioned something like that in the last episode. But after a bit, it morphs into something out of like a fairy tale. It's almost whimsical in nature, but never once throughout the entire track does it lose its beauty. It's funny going back and seeing our lists because we took two totally different approaches to this. (laughs) I feel like mine matches the type of game Hades is for like 80% of it. And yours were like the beautiful tracks that played during like storyline or like you said, the credits or something like that. It's really funny to go back and see whenever there's a difference between like who's played and who has not. Yeah, it is. And God, we were getting comments on that today in the discord, just a unique perspective. So I'm glad that we do have this where you've played it. So you have one way of doing it. And then I have the other. I do love this track. The Arabian Nights pull is good. Honestly, the entire soundtrack basically sounds like this. Earlier when I said um, I wasn't sure what instrument was actually a clarinet, this is the track. Like listening back to it, can you picture that being something other than a clarinet or am I dumb? I couldn't. When I heard it, I thought it was a clarinet too and had to like, I was actually, I wrote clarinet down and then went to look at your notes to be like, wait, maybe it's something else. And I went and looked at your notes and I'm like, nope, it's clarinet. Cool. (laughs) No, I didn't think it was. And the only reason why I figured that out was from that documentary because it was the making of this song. So on the end credits, because it does have a little credits page, it has a list of all the musicians and what instruments they play. And the only thing that was anywhere close to that 
was a clarinet. <laughs> so I'm like, it's got to be a clarinet because I know it's not a flute. The funny thing is, because like I said, I did all this research after I did my notes for this track. Remember how I said that it sounds like the sun's coming up? It totally is. I nailed that. <laughs> I could hear that instantly whenever you said it. I was like, yeah, I could totally see that early sunrise or something like that on a cool misty morning or something. It gives that very calming. It sounds like it's from a fairy tale. That's probably the easiest way I can put it. Yeah, straight out of Snow White, really. All right, man, what is your number two? My number two is The King and the Bull. This is one of the few songs that I can actually pinpoint because of its name. This song is during the battle with Theseus and Asterius, I believe is his name. And I know this because this is exactly where I'm stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Still, it doesn't take away from how great this song is. I love the four note measure that dances downwards through the scale throughout this entire track. Even when the notes do go higher than one another, they're still doing like a downward step. And I really enjoy this change of pace. It's one of the few songs actually that really changes the approach to how the song was written instead of just being like a straight rock song. I think that's supposed to be a sign of how badly you will die during this battle. (laughs) At least least for me, it means that. Winning the award for the most epic buildup, we see the tempo pick up, a few notes that sound like it's going to keep the same pace, a few crashes of the cymbals, and then that's it. You're on a whole different ride with a brand new song, and it's just badass enough to be a boss battle theme. From the speedy momentum, another shift, and we're back to almost like a power ballad before shifting back up again, and it's a damn roller coaster through this entire track. The whole thing is enough to make your head spin. But one thing I will note is that this is one of the few tracks, if not the only track, that doesn't take the more heavier metal version of the song and just mirror it without a mandala in it. It actually changes entirely and becomes something different. So I really enjoyed that. so high that should not be that high Uh, this is my number five 
now when I took my notes on this, it was reflecting that I didn't know what Peter's pick. We do this very independently of each other. So in my notes, just everyone listening, pretend like you haven't heard one of these tracks before. Okay, because it'll make sense here in a second. I said, this is a prime example of why I wish they divided these tracks. Up to the four minute mark, this track isn't much to write home about. It's got some percussion and a ton of synth, but that's about it. Then the track completely changes tonally. This electric guitar comes in and just shreds. It's very much the same song, just the metal version of it, and I love it. If the tracks were separated, the second part of this song would get multiple listens from me. But because I have to go through four minutes of just meh music to get there, it's unlikely I'll come back to this track anytime soon. I think you're just brutal, man. I mean, I know that the beginning parts of these songs are definitely not as good as the second half of the songs. But I mean, that's that's tough, man. It's true, though. Like, I don't necessarily want to listen to four minutes to get to my favorite part of a song. You know, like four minutes is a song. Well, depending on genre and that kind of thing. But in contemporary music, what gets played on the radio, that's really it. Also, to note, I didn't think that your entire list would be nothing but tracks like this. So I expected like there was one that I swore you were going to put on the list, um, but you didn't. And I was like, how did that not make his list? I don't get it. But uh, like it's not that the first half of these tracks are painful to listen to because they're not. They're beautiful in their own right, but I just prefer the latter half of every single one of them. And that's just my own taste in music. You know, if I had the opportunity to skip the first half and just listen to the second one, like if it was its own track, that's what I would do. It doesn't take away from the beginning part. It just they're different tracks just stuck together, you know? Yeah, I think that your list would probably be at least a little different. Your one and two may stay the same, but I do feel like three, four and five might have been a little different. Maybe the king and the bull would have made it a little higher up on your list. You're right. One and two are what they are. Those weren't going anywhere. For a while, my number two was my number one. And then some things changed. But yeah, the only two I was like really married to were one and two. If we had divided these tracks up, the rest of the soundtrack would have been completely different. Or the rest of my list would be completely different. You're right. All right, Cody, why don't you tell me about your number one? My number one is Good Riddance Eurydice. This is the shortest amount of notes I've ever taken for a number one pick. This song makes my list for one reason, Ashley Barrett. I love her voice. This track is just an acoustic guitar and her. That's it. It is, I think it's the first 100% acoustic track we have ever covered. It's a simple track. There isn't anything fancy and it doesn't build to anything like I typically like. And to me, that's what makes it beautiful. I think this is the most raw and pure track I have ever heard since we started this show.
So I was hard pressed to agree with you about this being the first 100% acoustic track that we heard, but I was thinking back and I remember us talking about there being an acoustic song in The Last of Us. And then we also likened that to an acoustic song we picked up in Final Fantasy X. I think both of those were pretty raw too, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, you are. But when I was saying that, because you're right, it was spear and scenery and whatever we were talking about from The Last of Us. But when I put acoustic down here, I meant to imply acoustic with vocals. Ah, gotcha. There you go. I want to thank you first and foremost for choosing this version and not the one where Darren sings on it. And I'm so grateful for you. I'm not sure where this turns up, but I do want to know now, because if nothing else, there's a set of lyrics in it that say, Atlas can rest his weary bones. The weight of the world all falls away in time. And I was like, oof, crush me right in the face. Why don't you? Of course, while I'm sure this song had a place in the game, it didn't make my list simply for the fact that when I think of Hades, I think more along the lines of the gameplay itself and not so much the story. Yes, the storytelling and writing is impeccable, but I feel like that's more the icing on the cake of what makes this such a great game. What makes a game fun at its core is, of course, the gameplay. I feel like in any circumstance, you can get away with a shoddy story and good gameplay, but you can't get away with shoddy gameplay and a good story. So as much as I love this track, I did not end up putting it on the list. No, you didn't. And it's okay. To put it into perspective how much I like this track, we all know I don't listen to music in my personal life outside of working on this. I heard this and I listened to it on loop a couple of times and I immediately put it on my Spotify. So it's the first track that we've covered where I've actually something's migrated over into something that I would actually listen to on my day to day. Still really bizarre to me that you don't listen to music (laughs) regularly. I don't don't get it. No one does. People are like, are you a serial killer? I'm like, no, I just (laughs) prefer people having conversations instead. I'm sorry. What about your car ride? What do you listen to? A podcast. Oh, like that. That's seriously it. Like it's nothing but podcast because What ends up happening is I work about 10 minutes from here. So by the time I actually get to something that I'm in the mood to listen to, like song wise, because I have so many or I have so much music, I can't decide on anything. So what's the point? I'll just listen to a podcast and jump into a conversation that lasts a couple of hours. You know, same thing with a road trip, kind of like an audio book, but for dummies, people like us just sitting around and bullshitting about their lives and that kind of thing so over time that's just kind of what i've migrated to it was just more entertaining and easier for me if i want to have background noise i'd rather just hear people talk has a bunch of music doesn't listen to it you have a music backloggery my friend (laughs) i do i have like a giant like God, remember how we had like the big, huge like cd notebooks i got one of those sitting in my car that I, i don't know why it's in my car i don't use it I just have like the aux port and like there's a CD player there, but it just goes right to my phone so I can listen to my podcast. Crazy, man. All right, bud. What is your number one? God of the dead. And I don't care what you say. My number one's badass. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure that this is the battle with the final boss. And my only inkling that it might be is the name of it and how goddamn epic it is. When I heard this, I knew right away it was going on my number one, period. 
As we've heard, the soundtrack has been riddled with electric guitars and the mandala through and through. And my list in particular has been full of the idol and battle tracks because they hit really hard, specifically when that electric guitar kicks in. But this, this goes beyond anything the game has to offer up to this point. We start with this power ballad full of long power chords, a slow drum beat that just really gets you pumped up. And the electric guitar comes in really early on this too. They don't actually stick with the mandala too long for this one. Then we add the incessant cymbal crashes to add thunder to that lightning. But your body isn't ready for what happens when it switches to the active battle song. What goes good with a perfectly executed roguelike matched with excellent writing and storytelling? How about a side of melt your fucking face off? Because that's what you're getting. Well played, Darren Corb. Well played. I'm not even going to share anymore because I just want y'all to hear this and experience what I did whenever this song came on. so bad last episode about your number one and not liking it you'll be glad to know that i didn't dislike it this is a good track my first note for this was i bet you're glad this song isn't divided up into multiple tracks if you are right and this is a boss fight there isn't anything else i'd want to be listening to from the very little bit that i know about this game makes this seem like the perfect track for this this is just metal from start to finish What I appreciate is that in the last episode, we talked about victory is right before your eyes. And this track has something similar that happens. This starts with some slow rock, but as you progress in the fight, the track changes the closer you get to the end. At the end, it's basically like grinding your face into the pavement in the best way possible. Considering my personal tastes, it's shocking that this didn't end up on my list. That's because you're wrong. (laughs) Shut up. There's not a whole lot of number ones where I'm like, this is for sure going to be my number one. I'm usually battling between two tracks, sometimes three, depending on the soundtrack we listen to. But I knew concretely that this was going to be it. And I'm not normally one for boss battle themes. I think that's more your alley. It's either ending themes or boss battle themes for you. And this one just kind of swept me away, man. It was, I was not prepared for how much this was going to rip through my face. (laughs) Don't forget main themes. Those are a go-to for me as well. That's right. Um, Dude, I was shocked to see 
A, your list be what it is, all things considered. But this is like not a U-track at all. So to see it so high, I was like, God damn. It's just so unexpected. What was, let me look this up real quick. There was one track that I was like, Peter has this. He has to. House of Hades. It was the second track on the soundtrack. I was like, Peter has to have this one. And it's nowhere to be found. This is more of a me list than it is a you list. And I'm terrified to see it, honestly. I'm just going to keep harping this on you. That's why you need to play this game. Because this is your list. And this is your game. I don't care what you say. (laughs) This game is for you. And I know it to be true in my soul. How much is this game? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Try to sell me on it. You get me right to the point where I'm going to buy it. Eh, what's the price? I, don't know. I have no Couldn't idea. I can, I can find out in a second here. My switch is next to me. I'll look in a minute. Twenty four ninety nine. Yeah. I beat you. <laughs> okay. That, that's not too bad. Maybe when I get done with Last of Us Part 2, I'll pick it up. And if I do, I promise I'll let you know. But yeah, it's really weird. Like, I feel like our list should be swapped completely. And that's the first time I've ever felt that where I'm like, this feels wrong. But, you know, I stand by my list and I know sure as hell you stand by yours, too. So, yeah, I was thinking that, too, actually. I was listening to your tracks as I was putting up the notes and everything like that. And I'm like, these are normally the more peaceful tracks that I go for, even though I think in one of the episodes I said I don't typically like I said I don't like meditative songs typically, but these tracks are definitely the ones that you picked are are far more peaceful and more up my alley in most games. But yeah, for this one, I was just, I was like, give me the stuff that, that comes with this gameplay because that's really where the bread and butter is of this game. And to me, that's what my list is. This makes up the bread and butter of what you're going to expect when you play Hades. Your list is murder is what your list is simplified down. It will definitely melt a few faces. I will put up a poll on Twitter and be like, did you listen to the episode? And if so, did it melt your face off? (laughs) (laughs) And the answer is going to be yes. Well, Cody, we are at the end of our lists. And when it was all said and done, I was really happy to have gotten a chance to really listen to this. You know, I've played Hades quite a bit, but I can't say that I'm I was at a place yet where I could sit down and truly appreciate the music while I was playing. I was still too focused on doing the things I needed to do to actually like complete the game. So sitting down and listening to the soundtrack on its own, I was really impressed with how good it was as far as the game that it matched up with. I have my gripes with it and you do too, but overall, I thought the soundtrack was actually pretty good. The soundtrack is perfect for the game and that's awesome. That's what it needs to do. Standalone, it's a completely different animal and I knew that going in and I knew about the length of the tracks and I understood why they were as long as they are to a degree. Again, I still say that they should be separated, but Like a lot of the tracks, they were just built up and they were good, but they just didn't do much. But that's because that's the nature of a game like this. And that's something that I had to keep in mind the entire time. But having played it, not experienced it, like I kind of know it was kind of hard for me to do. But this was better than it was when I got done with my first pass. When I got done with my first pass, I couldn't stand this thing. But the more I listened to it, the more it actually 
really, really grew on me. And I do hope you pick it up because I think that once you have it in your hands and you are playing it, I think that a lot of this is going to connect for you. I think that the game is going to feel good and you're going to end up enjoying it. And I think that the music will come together and you'll probably go back, whether it's a couple of months down the line, you'll listen to this episode again and be like, ah, I see now why Peter went with these tracks as opposed to these ones. Not that you would like yours any less. And I don't think that your list will change much, if at all. But I think you'll you'll get it. It'll like it'll all piece together and you'll be like, ah be one of those aha moments yeah you're probably right i just need to play the game that's all there is to it i have a question of the episode unfortunately it is not one you can answer but i did want to put it out there for those who have played the game and i think even though it's one of the more generic ones i don't typically like doing questions like this I do think it is a worthwhile question because in this game, there are a ton of abilities that you can pick up. There are many different Olympians that come down and give you different boons of various sorts. My question to the listeners out there and everybody who has played this game is what Olympian gives you your favorite ability in Hades? Super generic, but I think it's worthwhile and worth discussing. For me, it's almost always Ares, the good old god of war. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I was like, I thought you'd appreciate that. In this game, Ares gives a ability on all of your attacks that do this thing. It's like a delayed damage drop and it is super potent. So if you hit somebody with one of your main attacks or your secondary attack, wherever it is applied to, They get hit with that damage. And then like a second and a half to two seconds later, there's like a red drop of blood that falls down and does massive amounts of damage. And that stacks. So you could just like keep pelting somebody with stuff. And then like three seconds later, they just die. I don't know why. I just, most of my really good runs that I've had through the game have had Ares in the attacks in some way, shape or form. So I think that's going to be my go-to. In your opinion, is that too overpowered? (laughs) Because it kind of sounds like it. It's not overpowered because to me, there's ways that enemies can get around it. So even though it does a lot of damage and you can stack it a few times to add a little extra damage to it, the tankier enemies and things like that, they don't really succumb to it the same way. So it's great for taking out the little guys. But it doesn't do crap against the big guys. So you need other things to kind of help you with that. And you said it's these drops are random, right? Like getting Aries. Yeah. The way that the game is set up, there's just a ton of different ways that you can find it. So every room that you complete, there's usually one, two or three doors you can walk through. And on the door, there's a marker that lets you know what you're going to get. Some of them are the gold that you can get and use in only in that run. Some of them are those. Oh, I've seen those doors. Yeah. Yeah. One of the features that I really enjoyed in the game was that there are some rooms that have two gods in them. And if you go in, they'll allow you to choose one. So let's just say one was Ares and one was Poseidon. If you choose one of them and take their ability, the other God actually gets angry with you and makes you fight a room full of people while their ability is happening in that room. It's a really cool mechanic and I really enjoy it. It's a very 
risk reward system because you could totally just skip it and not pick up any and call it a day, but then you're down one ability. Well, I am definitely taking notes because I just bought Hades. You bought it? Yes. Nice. Um, Don't piss off Zeus. I had to get rid of Octopath Traveler because that's a game I bought and will never play. Um, But yeah, it's downloading right now. So we're going to have a follow-up conversation on this, probably offline about this. But yeah, it's downloading right now. Cool. So once we beat this, maybe I'll start doing my runs together. We'll both beat it. And then we're going to do an episode on the Deep Base podcast of Octopath Traveler because I need you to put that back on so you can be. <laughs> and what's the name of the new one? Isn't the name like something ridiculous like this one was? I think it's like Project Triangle Strategy or something like that. Probably. It's something weird. And I'm like, please keep the name. Please keep the name. Yeah, I don't want them to do that at all. What? You don't like the name Octopath Traveler? I hate it. I can't stand it. I think it's like, I mean, I understand why they used it, but I I think it's very lazy. It's square, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Why not just make it like Final Fantasy Lite or something like that? Or anything original. I mean, there's what? Billions of words in the English dictionary. And I'm sure the same for the Japanese dictionary. Make something up. I think it's because like, aren't there like eight playable characters and you yeah. have the option of doing each of their stories and which path they go on. I'm pretty sure it has something to do with that. I understand like it being project Octopath Traveler and then just being Octopath Traveler, like having a gripe there. But personally, I don't have a gripe with the name. I kind of get it. Yeah. The new game project triangle strategy. I mean, it's like they're literally dumbing the game down to tell you exactly what it is in the title. So like you said, Octopath Traveler, eight paths to travel on, right? And then triangle strategy, it's very common in strategy games to have a triangle system. It's like a rock, paper, scissors type of thing. And so that's exactly what they're saying with it. I cannot, a whole episode could be dedicated to why I hate those names. (laughs) (laughs) That's a conversation for a different time. It is indeed. But with that, we will go ahead and wrap this episode up. Cody, as always, thank you so much for being with me, even though you have not played this game we are on the cusp now it is bought and downloaded and we are ready to go i cannot wait for you to start it it is at 22 percent. i got 15 minutes left you gotta get off that potato wi-fi no just kidding (laughs) shut up just kidding just kidding but no thank you so much for being here and being the co-host as always yeah man no problem I nearly forgot. I haven't done this in a while. I nearly forgot. If you want to answer the question of the episode, you can do so on Twitter at Deep Base Podcast, or you can come over to the Discord where everybody loves Cody more than me, except for this latest episode where they hate us both. (laughs) Dude, the pitchforks came out today. (laughs) They really did. And you can find that Discord at discord.deepbasepodcast.com. And with that, we are out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you in two weeks for our final episode of the season. I still can't believe that, but you guys are in for a doozy. It's going to be quite a long episode. We've got some great announcements about the future of the podcast and a couple other little surprises here and there. We've got some interesting segments to go through that are outside of the norm. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think Cody's dreading it. No, no, I was dreading it. And then I realized what we were doing and I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. I think it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a nice way to 
look back on this year and uh, and really look forward to hopefully another year with uh, the Deep Base podcast. So more to come as we get there, but look forward to discussing that in about two weeks. That's it for us. We will see you next time for the final episode. Have a good one. Bye, guys. Then we add in this incessant symbol crash. Well, I realized that I spelled <laughs> I spelled symbol wrong. I spelled it like symbol as in like an icon and not yeah. the symbol. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, you can tell I'm tired. <laughs>